and welcome to the podcast of TechEU. I am your host, Andrew Degler, and today we are going to talk about some of this week's most interesting funding deals about Fairphone's new device and the brand value of Napster. Later on, you will also hear an interview with Jeff Majinkova, the CEO of Coursera, and Sherry Kutu, serial entrepreneur and the head of Digital Boost. The topic of this conversation is how to bridge the digital skills gap between small businesses and large corporates in the UK. And that is a really important topic in the times of working from home. But first, let us talk news. The Netherlands-based Fairphone has just launched its new namesake smartphone that's called Fairphone 3 Plus. The model number here at the 3 Plus actually means two things. First of all, it is rather an iterative update on the previous model called Fairphone 3. And second, the users of Fairphone 3 don't really need to buy the new model. They can just purchase new camera modules and that would pretty much bring them up to speed. The new modules sport a 48 megapixel rear camera and a 16 megapixel front one compared to 12 megapixel and 8 megapixel respectively in the previous model, which makes it a pretty serious performance boost. Now, in case you don't know Fairphone, that is a company that strives to produce the most fair and sustainable smartphones in the world. What does it mean in practice? So this effort is twofold. On one hand, the company cares about its supply chain being as fair as possible. So it avoids buying metals that have been mined using child labor and controls wages in the factories in China that manufacture the Fairphones themselves and so on and so forth. Now, on the other hand, the company wants you as its customer to keep your phone as long as possible. Like the most sustainable phone is the one that you have right now, right? So to that end, it makes Fairphones much more repairable than any other smartphones out there. The devices are modular and the modules can be purchased separately on Fairphones website. So I'm gonna now quote TechCrunch for the specifications of the new Fairphone 3 Plus. The quote begins, the phone has a 5.7 inch full HD display with an 18 to 9 aspect ratio and it is powered by a Qualcomm Snapdragon 632 chipset. Out of the box it runs Android 10, on board there is 4GB of RAM and 64GB of ROM expandable via a microSD card. The removable battery is 3000 mAh, uh, there is also a Bluetooth, NFC and a fingerprint scanner. The quote ends. So a few years ago, I reviewed myself uh, the previous previous model, Fairphone 2, uh, for Ars Technica, and I tried to take it apart and put it back together, and that was really easy. Uh, it just maybe took uh, half an hour and it only required one flip screwdriver. So while new Fairphone 3 Plus costs 469 euros, the modules for back and front cameras for Fairphone 3 are only about 100 euros for both, which is a pretty good value. What's even better, before the end of September, the modules can be bought together for only 70 euros. So if you are a Fairphone 3 user already, check this one out. It's a good deal for sure and it is not hard at all to change these modules if you want to. Now let us enjoy the voice of our editor Robin Wouters talking about this week's M&A and IPO activity. Thank you, Andre. After a significant slowdown, because of you know what, in the past two weeks, a flurry of tech companies have unveiled plans to go public, with many more to come, including from those companies that have already filed their IPO paperwork confidentially. Offerings are coming from some of the biggest private companies on the planet, including Palantir, Airbnb, Ant Financial, DoorDash, Asana, Snowflake, JFrog, and more. It's going to be a long list, but of course, those are decidedly non-European tech companies. But that doesn't mean there's nothing happening on this side of the pond. First of all, British online retailer The Hut Group, a relatively unknown e-commerce powerhouse that operates a network of 200 websites across 40 currencies, 
has plans to sell its shares to the public in a move that could generate big payouts for its founder, Matthew Malding, and staff. The Hutt Group's listing in London could value the company at £4.5 billion as it plans to raise £920 million through the sale of its shares, which would make it potentially the biggest listing of a British company since 2013. Last year, the company's sales rose to £1.1 billion, which was up 24.5% year-on-year. The HUD said it wants to use the money to expand its business as the trend for online shopping accelerated following the coronavirus lockdown. A successful IPO and near future would also mean a big payday for the HUD founder Matt Malding, as he stands to receive £700 million worth of shares if the company manages a market capitalization of £7.25 billion by December 2022. And then according to Bloomberg, German online used car marketplace Auto One is ramping up preparations for a planned initial public offering of its own. The company is reportedly inviting banks to pitch for a role on the share sale and considering Frankfurt as the listing venue for the IPO. Auto One just raised 255 million euros from investors to develop its retail brand AutoHero, but the last time it disclosed a valuation of its business was in 2018 when it raised money from SoftBank's Vision Fund. The company was worth 2.9 billion euros back then, but is likely to be valued much higher today. Since its beginnings eight years ago, Auto One has expanded into 30 European markets and has traded more than 2 million cars so far. Revenue grew by 21% to 3.5 billion euros in 2019, according to media reports. And then a quick note on an interesting company that has already gone public and trying to create or dominate a category it calls quick commerce. Berlin-based Delivery Hero has acquired the entirety of Greek-owned but Dubai-based Instashop, an online grocery marketplace in the Middle East and North Africa. Valued at $360 million, Instashop's initial purchase price was about $270 million. The size of the deferred component to the founding team is dependent on the growth and profitability of the business in the next few years. Launched five years ago, Instashop is today used by more than half a million users across the Middle East and North Africa, promising deliveries like fruits, vegetables, medicine and flowers within the hour. On a side note, about three years after going public, Delivery Hero just recently made it to the DAX or DX, the leading German stock market index by replacing Wirecard and is clearly hungry for scale so it can remain on there. Now let's move on to something totally different. If you are my age or older, you probably remember Napster. For the younger generation, Napster was arguably the first massively popular and also massively illegal peer-to-peer sharing service that was founded in 1999 and it focused mostly on music in the mp3 format. So the service was shut down in 2002, not surprisingly, uh, following a lawsuit from the Recorded Industry Association of America, that is RIAA. After that, its brand has changed hands several times, but has always been used for music-related stuff, mostly for music streaming services. So this week, the Napster brand ownership moved to Europe. A startup from the UK called Melody VR has bought Rhapsody International, which owns Napster itself, for 70 million US dollars in cash and shares. Rhapsody is a music streaming company that has 3 million customers worldwide, and it also sells music streaming services to businesses like BMW in sort of a B2B kind of angle. So what is Melody VR then? Uh, the UK startup specializes in immersive music performances, which I guess makes it one of those companies that sort of skyrocketed during the pandemic-related lockdowns, and TechCrunch mentions that it also has built a, quote, COVID-19 safe studios in London and Los Angeles for artists to use and continue performing, the quote ends. 
It could also say that, and I quote again, Melody VR said that initially the two will continue to operate as separate businesses, but longer term the plan is to build out a wider platform that incorporates both immersive virtual live music as well as streaming services. The quote ends. I am yet to watch any concerts in VR, I have to say, but if you have done that already, do tell me about your experience. I'm really wondering if it is as cool as it sounds. Podcast at tech.eu is the email address. Please do share your thoughts. As for the Napster brand and its value, I would like to quote extensively uh, the friend of the podcast, Martin SFP Bryant, who wrote the following in his Big Revolution newsletter this week. The quote begins. I can understand if Melody VR needed its own streaming service and Napster was a convenient off-the-shelf buy. But I very much doubt the brand name itself has much value these days. Don't get me wrong, the brand name Heritage probably contributed something to the price tag, but it doesn't really mean much to anyone under about 35. Just like MySpace keeps coming back for attempted reboots, I wish entrepreneurs would realize that old internet brands are often like old bands, best left in the past. Rebooting the Napster brand again and again is like bringing the Spice Girls back in 2020 but featuring a new bunch of 20-something shouting about girl power. It would be weird and pointless in a world where Little Mix do the same thing much better for today's young audience. So maybe, as it changes hands again, it is time to put the Napster name to bed forever. The quote ends. Again, that was Martin S.F.P. Bryant and his daily newsletter Big Revolution. I highly recommend checking this one out. Now, next up is the interview that we've got for you this week. Listen to our editor Robin Wouters talking to Jeff Majinkolda, the CEO of Coursera, and Sherry Kutu, a serial entrepreneur and the head of Digital Boost. Let us hear more about how the two have come together to help small businesses and charities upskill their employees at the time of pandemic. So hey, this is Robin Waters for Tech.eu. Uh, thank you so much for tuning into this interview. Uh, this is a special one for this episode because we actually have a dual interview, um, two guests instead of one, uh, which is always nice. And we have uh, Jeff calling in from the US and we have Sherry calling in from, from Cambridge in the UK. Ladies first, Sherry, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, I'm Sherry Kutu and I'm the founder of Digital Boost. Uh, and my background is as a serial entrepreneur in a number of different sectors. I specialize in double-sided marketplaces and I've had a, a long-held fascination with education and learning platforms and preparing for the future of work, whatever that may be. Thank you very much for the brief introduction. Uh, Jeff, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. It's great to be here. My name is Jeff Calda. I'm the CEO of Coursera and really delighted to be working with Sherry and her team to try to bring online learning resources to help people reskill and, and get themselves prepared for the jobs of tomorrow. Yeah, that's actually uh, exactly what we're going to talk about. That was the angle. Uh, but maybe for people who don't know, what is Coursera? Coursera is a company that was founded by a couple of professors at Stanford back in 2012. We're a global online learning platform. And so we've got about 165 of the top universities in the world and also 40 companies like Google, IBM, AWS, and others. And they have collectively created about 4,500 online courses that you can take at Coursera.org. And so we've uh, basically created a platform where these universities and companies can publish courses uh, and degrees and hands-on projects. And learners from around the world can come to take these online courses on their mobile phones, on their tablets, on their computers. And, and the range is, is not only courses, but it goes all the way up to fully accredited master's degrees from universities like the University of London. We have a Bachelor's of Computer Science that's delivered 
on Coursera from University of London. We have a master's in public health from Imperial College of London as well. Great. Well, thanks for the clarification. Uh, and Sherry, maybe um, elaborate a little bit on, on what Digital Boost is and also how this partnership with Coursera came about. Okay, great. Thank you. Uh, Digital Boost is also a platform and it came about when lockdown occurred and we were approached by BCG saying all of our employees want to help make sure that smaller organizations and charities that haven't invested in upskilling themselves um, have the opportunity to do that. And the statistics were really were really frightening about the the percentage of them that were going to be affected very negatively. So there was 20% of UK SMEs are expected to run out of cash. 72% of them uh, have already had their revenues reduced by 50%. And I knew from, uh, again, a, another hat that charities were struggling just as much. 98% of charities struggling to shift their products and services online. And it all had to do with a learning gap. And what we thought is, well, if we could unleash armies of volunteers and get other platforms all in a single place so that whether or not you needed a mentor or whether or not you needed a, a course, you could go online and you could upskill yourself really, really quickly. A, so that you didn't face you know, demolition as a result of this pandemic. Uh, and, and B, also so that you, we could more easily as a nation build the economic recovery by rapidly upskilling people far more rapidly than, you'd, um, than you might otherwise in, in a different context. So we're a mixture of mentoring from a number, uh, from hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of companies like BT and like Google and, uh, and Visa and, and, and many others, and some workshops where uh, entire companies bring sort of several companies, but they're small companies under 10 employees, bring their workforce to, to hear from an expert to what we're talking about here, uh, courses that are tailor-made for a person and perfect for a small business or a small charity that's trying to get to grips uh, so that they can service their customers online. And everybody gets their own account. And, and what I love with, uh, with Coursera is after a couple of mentoring calls, we know a little bit more about them. So we suggest that this is now, you know, we've had a conversation about this. We've had a conversation about this. These are your needs. It looks to me like this particular course that Coursera has is the right one for you. And we've been able to integrate with, with Coursera's, um, you know, sort of back end so that we can pick the perfect course for the single person, you know, the person that we're, we've, we've been talking to, to help them get exactly the right thing that they need at the, at the right time. And that combination of things is really high impact for the for the users. And instead of searching from one website to another website or looking at a, a catalog of 4,000, 4,000, we literally go into Coursera's catalog of 4,000 courses and we pick the right thing for that person on that day. The next day, we might suggest another course. The next day, we might suggest another course. But we were able to integrate uh, our user journey in in with Coursera, which which makes an incredible uh, difference. It's, it saves a huge amount of time for the users and means that they can find how to get to their customers online, um, you know, uh, that that much faster. And it's you know brilliant to be able to to do uh, unprecedented, I think, really to do what we've what we've done. And uh, it's it's nice to do sort of a well again for us is absolutely to pull pull this together and to say, you know, after this conversation and this conversation, we're pretty sure this is the course you need. And Coursera magically has made it possible 
uh, because you've done integration work with, again, hundreds of universities and hundreds of other organizations. It's incredible what, what we've been able to do. I didn't know it was possible until we sort of um, started. I almost fell off my chair when I started talking to some of Jeff's colleagues. It's like, could, you, could we do this? It's like, yeah, you can absolutely do that. It's like, wow, so amazing. Yeah, great. Well, Jeff, uh, maybe you can tell us more about how this magic actually happens uh, behind the scenes and, and, and also maybe share, was this partnership already in the works before the pandemic or is it the direct result of the, the crisis that we're in now? Uh, it's a direct, it, it was an introduction. We were introduced to, to Jeff by a, a fellow called Gary at the Department for Digital Culture, Media and Sports. So I think the Coursera might have been speaking to the UK government, but it was the UK government who's uh, our, our sponsor and, and, and again made what we're doing possible, who said, maybe this is the right conversation for Coursera. And it was amazing after, after that intro. Yeah, and it fits into a, a little bit of a broader coronavirus response that Coursera undertook in the in the very beginning of the pandemic. One of our partners is Duke University, and Duke has a, a joint venture with Wuhan University in China. They, they have a campus in Kunshan. And as we all know, the pandemic hit first in Wuhan, and uh, one of the, the impacts of that was that the Kunshan campus with Duke was immediately quarantined, the, the professors and students. So in late January, I got a call from our key uh, contact at Duke saying our campus just got quarantined, got closed down. We need access to the full catalog of Coursera for Campus, which is a version of Coursera for universities. And so we immediately deployed that and, and it got them up and running with you know 4,000 courses online uh, ready to go. And then as February rolled around, we started seeing school after school after school shut down and we figured you know what, if this pandemic goes global, many, many students are going to basically have their schools closed. And according to UNESCO, 1.6 billion students in April actually had their schools closed. So we launched a free version of Coursera for campus. This was for students who had their schools closed. It was wildly successful. We have over 10,000 versions of Coursera for campus up and running now for over 1.5 million students. And then based on the success of that, we said, you know, the next big wave after school closures is going to be unemployment. And so can we take the same kind of model where we work with government agencies at the national, state and local level to offer our partners courses for free through 2020 to help people who've lost their jobs get reskilled? And it was really through this workforce recovery initiative that we were introduced to, uh, to Boost and, and, and started this partnership. Great. Um, Sherry, why is there a need for something like Digital Boost in the first place? And I don't mean it in a negative way, of course, uh, but it seems to me that this would be something that the UK government or other organizations would already be, be very involved in uh, reskilling and upskilling people even before the pandemic, but especially now. Well, that's it's a great it's a great question. I think our approach is different. It's the it's the personalized uh, account. The, the so there were a lot of responses to the pandemic. There was a lot of government announcements about managing cash flow. There was a huge amount of uh, additional services that historically were, you know, for, for pay being made available around mental well-being. We wanted to empower the small business, the small business leader and the small charity leaders. And and we historically, um, this service has is, is been added on top of a volunteer matching uh, program called Founders for Schools. And that took experts and content and made it available to teachers to help their students think about the future of work. And so this is building on a platform that has been in place for five or six years. 
Um, but it could be, it wasn't very hard to, to tweak it pretty gently to change it. So instead of it was a teacher asking for help for their, uh, you know, help for their, their students to think about the future of work, this is turning it to a leader of a small business so they could really quickly help all of their employees reskill themselves. Many companies, small and large, have been serving their customers in shops and in local areas, and they enjoy doing that. And perhaps if you've got lots of footfall and, and you enjoy the social interaction, you sometimes neglect you know, some of the digital digital area. And, and again, we'd see it is a chronic problem. We knew that there was a productivity gap of 82% between people who worked at large and large companies compared to small ones. But I think this, the small ones just, you know, got con- caught unawares by, again, having no access whatsoever to their, to their customers. It's also the case that these platforms uh, that allowed you to rapidly upskill yourself, you know, didn't exist before. You know, what Coursera is talking about, you know, you haven't been around for 20 years and the old ways of, you know, maybe I'd go to a university and up, upskill myself or a, a location and upskill myself. Well, in a pandemic, when you're not allowed to go out, the only way you can do it is on is online. So the old, you know, the, the sort of classic ways of educating yourself became unavailable and the classic ways of reaching your customers uh, in an analog way, also became unavailable all at all at once. So I, what I didn't want to happen was that the fact that they had not upskilled their workforces didn't mean that they would face having to put their organizations into administration or or lay off all of their colleagues. And that's otherwise what we would have been facing if we couldn't help them really, really quickly. Yeah, or definitely a good initiative, and then it sounds like a really great partnership as well. Yeah, another thing that we're seeing, we have a, a version of Coursera called Coursera for Business, and over 2,500 of the largest companies in the world have hired Coursera to help them go through what many call digital transformation. These are very large companies. The market for corporate learning is something like $360 billion a year gets spent on training employees to keep their skills fresh. We're seeing a world that's accelerating faster and faster, especially with digital technologies and data. And the private sector is really putting a lot of money and effort into upskilling folks. I think it's easy for uh, nonprofits to kind of fall behind a bit. And so especially as the world moves online, accelerated because of the pandemic, skills like uh, in, in in the business category, skills like Excel and project management, digital marketing and leadership. Those are some of the top skills that we see people learning on Coursera. Skills in technology include C programming, graphic design, JavaScript, and designing digital experiences. And then in data science, people are learning Python, SQL, statistics. These are the skills that are being learned in uh, corporate America. And I think they're the kinds of skills that small business owners also are going to be needing but often the budget and the infrastructure is just not there for that. So I think this program is a wonderful way to help close the gap between the big wealthier companies who are investing in this and everybody else. Yeah, I mean, I, I would just add that larger larger tech companies uh, are often investing 
in learning and development per employee, something like 6,000, 7,000 pounds per, per employee. If you're a tiny charity, there's no way that you're going to be doing that, which is why I love the armies of volunteers who have been working at the large companies being unleashed so that they can help the you know charities and smaller businesses understand you know, they would have done a lot of due diligence to figure out how, what a pathway is, but they can share that with others that they don't compete with, which is, you know, a, a nice thing about our, our community, allowing, enabling people, you know, an infrastructure of kindness uh, and, and learning to, to help. So um, the, the company divide is massive, but we have 25% of people that come to us and say they don't even know where to start. So they have to no. start with a mentor. Um, and then that, allows us to point them to understand a little bit more about what they may want. And then we can point them at a user design or a Python course or, you know, or even if it's, you know, Excel or, or how to use PowerPoint or Google, Google Docs. So it's, you know, you have to start somewhere and they've just many, may, you know, just don't know where to start. So a couple conversations and then they're on their way. Um, and that's what seems to be working, which is amazing. Fantastic. Um, now, uh, back to Jeff. Um, Coursera recently launched what is called uh, the Global Skills Index. So it's basically an in-depth look at the state of skills around the world. So I'm wondering how does the UK actually uh, stack up, and especially compared to the rest of Europe? Yeah, so the, the, the Global Skills Index is a report that we started last year. This is the, the 2020 version just came out. And the way that we put this together is um, the, the intention is to give a picture of the relative skill proficiencies in certain types of skills across 60 different countries and across 10 different industries. And the way that we put this together is we actually look at the learner behavior on Coursera in the, in the courses that the learner is taking. So we have about 66 million individuals all around the world in, in every country uh, on Coursera taking various courses. And in these courses, there are assessment questions and you know tests and, and, and projects that you do as you move through the course. And we are recording the score of every single student on every single question. So we have an idea of you know, how well are the students in one country doing in a Python course compared to students in a, a learners in a different country in that same Python course. And what, this, what the Global Skills Index does is it allows us to compare learners across industries. Uh, and across countries. So when we look at this, and we really look mostly at business skills, technology skills, and data science skills, when we look at Europe as a region, uh, almost all of the top uh, countries are in Europe in terms of the top ranking skilled countries. So in business, uh, Switzerland, Austria, Denmark, Finland are literally one, two, three, and four. In technology, Russia, Belarus, Switzerland, Ukraine, Finland are the top five. And in data science, uh, Russia, Switzerland, Belgium, Austria, Finland, France are the top six globally. Now, you asked about the UK. The UK, while ahead of the US in most of these categories, uh, actually ranks number 19 globally in business. It ranks 23 globally in technology, and it ranks 24 globally in data science. So the UK is actually lagging behind, at least as measured by the performance of learners in the UK compared to the performance of learners all around the world and also in Europe, the UK lags a bit behind it. It's ahead of the US, but behind most of the other European countries in those three skill domains. Right, well, quite interesting, quite surprising. I'll have a closer look at the, at the index after the call, uh, because I'm, I'm interested now. 
<laughs> yeah. in, in Europe being, being so so much at the top. Sure, when you announced this partnership, you said Digital Boost UK, um, and I quote, aims to develop employees in high demand skills like data science, cloud computing, blockchain, AI, computer science, and internet of things. Uh, of course, that's a, that's a terribly broad scope. Um, so it's a bit too early to tell probably in the partnership, but can you sort of predict what you think the most relevant uh, Coursera courses will be for the for the Digital Boost community? Ooh, can I predict it? No, well, I probably can. I think data science will be amongst uh, amongst the top ones, and it will depend on the size of the business. If you're just, and it will change over time. So we're we have a taxonomy that we're working people through, and you've got beginner, you've got medium, and then you've got um, sort of you know intermediate, and then you've got expert. You're not gonna if you don't yet have a website, you're not gonna start on data science. And so, uh, many of these smaller businesses start at a pretty you know beginner type level, um, but are taxonomy, uh, which has gone through all of the Coursera courses and all of digital science will get them all to data science and cloud computing and blockchain over the course of a few months. Uh, because again, we know where they've been and we suggest the next step to them. So it's all about recommending the next thing that we think that they should do until they're digitally um, proficient and out of the, you know, and out of the, out of their, their hot soup, as it were. Uh, so I wish everybody was starting at data science, but you know clearly from what Jeff just said, that's not where they're starting. And we're, we're getting, I don't know where to start and, you know, 25% and, uh, and a, uh, you know, I need SEO, you know, SEO. So marketing type seems to be the most important, which isn't that surprising since they're taking what were physical shops, they're, you know, they get them online and then they figure out they can't be found. So then the next thing is, can you explain SEO to me? Uh, no. so again, it's, it's, Path, the path is quite predictable if you're at a at a at a lower level. What I love about platforms like what like Coursera is you can chart and you can guide people through the taxonomy and through a learning path. And our learning path is get revenues really quickly uh, so that you're out of crisis because it's it, 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 again what Coursera is doing is very is very broad and uh, and hugely important. But we're narrowed just for, you know, UK businesses and charities who are at a lower level. Um, in a couple of months' time, I'd love to dr be driving them to, you know, to the upper levels. And we've already mapped the entire, you know, we've already mapped our our taxonomy on digital skills to the Coursera database uh, using s some of your very clever employees and some of our very clever employees. It's amazing what happens when people want to solve a problem. Just on data science, one thing, last year... Um, I worked with the Royal Society here and we did an examination of how fast industries were reconfiguring. And we saw in the last three years an 8,369% increase in the demands from employers for people who understood, again, sort of data science. So if I were predicting and it had anything to do with what employers needed, it comes back to, to data science. And the traditional you know, educational establishments have no chance of meeting that demand which is why, uh, which is why Coursera is um, so popular right now, because people have an urgent need to upskill themselves, and uh, there's, you know, easy easy ways of doing that quickly and uh, and effectively. Um, I was just I was just going to say, what's really nice is is we have on Coursera courses ranging from you know introductory IT support all the way up to deep learning with neural networks. Having this high-tech, high-touch collaboration where the high-tech part is kind of the Coursera, this broad catalog of, of very deep-skilled courses, but, but having the high-touch part, sort of your, your guide 
to help you figure out for your business what is going to be the most important way to get you you know up on your feet quickly and pointing the courses. I, I think is a is a wonderful combination of high tech and high touch. Often people kind of bifurcate the question of learning and say, oh well, which is better, digital learning or in person learning? And as with so many things, it's not black and white. It's, well, if you blend the two together, you can get the leverage and you can get the kind of help that's really appropriate for different audiences. I think this idea of having um, volunteers who are expert leverage a, a digital platform like Coursera to help people as effectively as possible, I think, is, is, is a really nice design. Uh, Jeff, we've already touched on this, but the, the pandemic has really driven a lot of um, new signups and new um, courses uh, being implemented. But what is what has been the effect of the, the crisis on the company, just as a, as a general question? Yeah, well, as you can probably imagine, when nine out of 10 of every student in the world um, is, is in a situation where their school has been closed, uh, we, we've been seeing tremendous appetite for online learning. And plus, you know, people who have been working have had their offices closed. So overall, our enrollments are up considerably, almost 500% compared to the same period a year ago. This is from mid-March to today. Uh, we, we have seen 18 million new learners join Coursera, and we've seen course enrollments up 480%. So it's, 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 really, it's really grown dramatically, both the uh, direct to individuals. So the number of individuals who are just coming right to Coursera.org to take courses, that's up dramatically. But even more so, institutions coming to Coursera like Digital Boost UK, like governments, like businesses, like universities who are coming to say as an institution, we need access to online learning to help the members of our institutions, whether those are employees or students. Uh, we're, we're really seeing tailwinds from across the board, individuals and institutions alike. Quite interesting. So Sherry, uh, from your viewpoint, or I should say viewpoints as an executive, entrepreneur, investor, board member, etc., um, what do you think uh, is going to be the long-term effect uh, of COVID on small businesses and charities uh, across the UK? I think the long-term effect, I hope and believe, and because of collaborations like what you've seen between Coursera and Digital Boost, I think that they will lead the economy out of the recession that uh, that it is that it is going into. The acceleration of their uptake on digital will uh, will make them far more resilient than they were before, and they are very keen. They're the most keen learners you've ever seen because it really matters, and they're in a hurry. And uh, being able to um, devour lots of learning specifically to achieve a goal that you're super, super motivated to achieve, I think is, 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 is incredible. In the short term, it's, it's really very, very frightening. Um, but the, you know, the fact that these, you know, this education, this upskilling is available to them and they can get to it and they can get all of their peers and colleagues to it as well with just the click of a couple of buttons is is fantastic. Five years ago, before there were things like Coursera and you know the sort of video things that we're talking on at the moment, the ability f for us to recover from this would have been far far worse. So it gives me, um, I'm really hopeful. If I hadn't seen the generosity that I'd seen, you know, we got 90 corporate partners signed up in about two and a half weeks. That's incredible, and they all have access to the best courses from thousands of universities at their fingertips in a couple of clicks and it's for free and we make it really easy yeah. for them to figure out what they need. So um, 
I think there'll be, I'm going to say no long-term. I actually think there's a possibility that this would be a positive long-term effect because of the acceleration of uh, the movement over to digital technologies. And one of the things, too, that we're seeing in Silicon Valley is the, the, the rate at which a new company can form and de- deliver a product to the market and then scale, it's just getting faster and faster. So time, if, if you measure sort of how, how long does company creation take, how long does it take for a company to maybe hit a billion dollars in value, it's getting shorter and shorter. And a major reason is because um, small companies can't, using cloud technologies and digital technologies they can access so many powerful uh, services and capabilities in the cloud. The, the, to me, a major challenge is, do they, do, does a small business owner know that those exist? Do they know how to use those services? Because those services, even like AI as a service, you don't need to know how to build your own neural network in order to take advantage of certain AI capabilities or digital marketing or web services, payment services. All, all sorts of uh, capabilities are available as services. But it's happening so quickly, many people don't even know that that's available. And so I think a lot of what needs to happen is, is precisely what Digital Boost UK is doing, which is making sure people understand just how much capability is out there at very low cost, often open source, almost always in the cloud, uh, if only you know that it's there and you know how to integrate it to serve your business. Right. Well, these problems are, of course, not limited to the UK and the US. So my next question is actually to both of you. Uh, Sherry, have you thought about expanding Digital Boost outside the UK? And Jeff, from your side, are you exploring other partnerships to to do similar things with organizations across Europe? Uh, Maybe Sherry, go first. Sure. Yes, we have been approached by a number of of governments asking, could they do the same in their country? And uh, we would absolutely love to. And I I hope that we could persuade uh, Coursera to 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 do a rapid geographic rollout with us, so that regardless of what country the boostie was from, that we could offer them uh, Coursera, uh, you know, first and foremost. So I'm hoping, but yes, we we've been asked in a number this problem that people have of needing to reach their customers and having not um, upskilled themselves up as you know to the level that they really need to be right now um, exists not only in the not only in the UK and I'd love to help every single one of them in every single country where there's where there's a need I love people who run small businesses and I want them to 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 feel confident going forward I think what we're doing in the UK can easily become the reference model globally. I mean, I, I just love the idea that you've got this high-tech, high-touch collaboration. You're serving small businesses who might not have the kind of infrastructure, resources, institutionalized processes to, to do this kind of learning. And I think it's gonna, I think it's gonna hold a lot of promise. So, Sherry, absolutely, we'd be, we'd be happy to do this on a global basis. And, and I feel like we've got a really good template. This is also, by the way, the, the work that we're doing with Digital Boost UK is a part of a bigger global initiative of Coursera that we call the Workforce Recovery Initiative. Uh, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but we are now working with over 70 countries and 25 of the 50 U.S. states to deliver Coursera for government to workforce development agencies, national, state, local workforce development agencies. And so uh, the states include Illinois, Missouri, New York, Ohio, Arizona. Countries include Bolivia, Colombia, Costa Rica, Singapore, Malaysia, you know, all, all around the world. 
And I think that this is a special kind of model where you put volunteer, you know, expert volunteers on top uh, as guides on top of the Coursera platform, especially to help small businesses. I think it's a wonderful model and it's one that I hope we can expand globally. Yeah, let's hope it provides a, a nice blueprint uh, in UK. But I think it's great that uh, you're doing great work, the both of you. It's great that you came together and joined forces for this initiative. That's all the time we have. But before we leave, maybe just one question. Which course are you currently following in Coursera yourself, uh, Jeff and Sherry? I just finished uh, a COVID contact tracing course from Johns Hopkins University. I highly recommend it. It's free. Uh, it's five hours. It's from Johns Hopkins. You know, they are experts in all things COVID. And it teaches you not only about how to be a contact tracer, but the whole first part is just about the virus, how it's transmitted, how you keep people safe. So it's really good public health information. It's also a good glimpse into what contact tracing is all about. I'm sold. Uh, Sherry? Well, you won't be surprised for this either. So user experience of the courses that I've been brushing up on, uh, mainly because we've just reskinned our entire platform from helping teachers and students to helping small business people and charities. So we've been um, brushing up on some of, some, some of those. So, and again, they're you know, hugely helpful, short bites. You can get to, you know, a, a, an answer super fast, uh, you know, uh, on the time frame that you have in mind. So yeah, very good. But I'll, I'll look up the John Hopkins one because I'm very interested in in that as well yeah same here I'll, I'll have to admit that i haven't used coursera yet so this is my uh my incentive now to actually uh go there and uh and check it out um that would be fantastic thank uh thank you to the both of you for uh taking the time uh today uh to talk about this partnership and the work that you're doing uh keep it up and uh, keep us informed thank you so much for your time it's been a pleasure thank you it's been a pleasure thanks very much take care and this is it for our today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I do hope that you enjoyed it. Please help us spread the word, tell a friend or colleague about the show, and follow our updates on Twitter at tech underscore EU. Audio engineering for this podcast is done by SoundPulse, that is sound-pulse.com. Please feel free to email us with any questions, suggestions, and opinions at podcast at tech EU. I am going to talk to you next Monday. In the meantime, enjoy your week and take care. Bye-bye.